From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Welcome back to another episode of Everything Will Be Okay. This week, I'm joined by one of my very best friends. She is the Chief Corporate Affairs and Marketing Officer at WeWork. She's also a Chief Communications Officer. She's got lots of titles. She does a lot of things for WeWork. Her name is Lauren Fritz. I first met her about 15, 16 years ago here at Fox News. You're going to hear about that story. Lauren has over two decades of experience as a leading force in public affairs, communications, brand marketing, and producing. She worked as a primetime cable news producer. She also served as the digital director for former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. She worked on the presidential campaign. And now she is one of the leaders of a global workspace brand, also known as WeWork. Lauren is... Certainly a woman to watch. She's creative, driven, and I absolutely adore this person. Lauren Fritz, uh, for anybody who watches The Five, they might recognize your name because I bring you up a lot, a lot. And you're one of my best friends ever. I call you a sister friend. And just so that everybody knows, since I already know you, let's start off with, can you give us a little bit of where you grew up, how you grew up, and how you're the oldest of four. I am. I First of all, it is a true pleasure and privilege to be here today. Oh, and she's not even it joking. It is <laughs> really strange to be on this side of the microphone with you because... In this building? In this building, um, where we first met. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have, and, you know, this whole podcast could actually be about how much you have influenced my career and my life over the last few years in particular. Um, but, you know, so to be here today with you really and talk about this book and um, the advice you've given me is just a privilege. So thank you. Oh, for the opportunity. great. Okay. Where'd you grow up? Um, so I was born in New Jersey, um, but I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and I would spend the summers down the shore in Bayhead, New Jersey, which you have grown to love. I'm sure everyone yes. knows that. <laughs> um, and I am one of four, the oldest of four. And although I've recently said that I'm rebranding to be the youngest, because I think at this point <laughs> I am the most fun, um, but three brothers. And I think that really has built um, this toughness around me that I think in any room I can hang um, but they, it has been so much fun to grow up alongside them and watch them be parents now. And it's been really fun to have you along on the journey. Yeah. I think you are the sister I have never had. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so, it's so great. And you know, Peter and I have such a small family and our families are far away. So we are at the Fritz's, um, every holiday, uh, Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Memorial Day, 4th of July. And we share <laughs> a lot uh, in common. I, one of my favorite stories from your childhood is, well, there's so many, but, Tell them about your confirmation and what you did for your brother, Kevin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So I, um, Kevin recently got married. And so, uh, you know, the boys were supposed to speak because they were the best men. But 
I said, well, I have a few things to say as well. So when he was younger, um, I was getting confirmed. And in the Catholic Church, you choose a saint that then becomes your confirmation name. And at that time, Kevin was very sick with asthma. And it turns out there is a patron saint of asthma. And I felt so passionately about this little kid that was in the hospital with asthma that I felt I needed to make that my confirmation name. And so that saint is Bernadette. And I said at the wedding, um, you know, growing up, I would come back from school and Kevin was very young and he'd say, I don't even remember you living here. Like, you don't even remember you growing up here. And it became like a running joke that so much of his friends would think say the same. But I said, you might not remember me, but I'm stuck with Lauren Elizabeth Bernadette Fritz because that's how much I cared about you. <laughs> so um, then everyone at the wedding said, Feel the burn. So, yeah, it's feel the burn. You're just such a fantastic family. So, we did meet here at Fox and tell them about your start here because I think one of the things we like to do on this podcast is to say, you might not know exactly what you're going to end up doing. Like, what you're doing now is amazing. And so, tell, tell people about starting here at Fox. And I love the story that you tell about someone recommending that you make sure that you're talking to everybody who comes in the green room. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, Fox, it was an incredible first job, I think, especially since my job was an assistant to the vice president of programming. And so I really got the opportunity to see everything in the newsroom, what everyone was doing. And then as I grew here, I became a booker and a producer. And while I was a booker, I met Tim Russert in the green room. And he said to me, Lauren, you have one of the most amazing jobs, but don't waste it. Every time someone comes into this green room, every time they come into the newsroom, you take that opportunity to ask them, where did they come from? How did they get to where they were? When was the moment they knew they were supposed to be there? And what were any obstacles they remember along the way? Because everyone has those stories and everyone has a different journey. And I think that's what's so important to remember that I know everybody wants to know what you're going to be when you grow up or exactly the path you're going to take. But there's so much opportunity out there, but you have to keep an eye open. And if you talk to more and more people, you know that it's not always so ordinary. And the unplanned things and the chances you take can change your life and can change your career path. And it could be even more exciting than what you had originally thought it to be when you sought out. Tell them about our first assignment together. So we worked on the weekend show, Hannity's America. I did. You, I asked you to be on a segment for it. And um, it was called The Pink Elephants. And I love producing. I think it's so that much fun. That was 2010. 10. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, we, um, Governor Nikki Haley was new on the scene, amongst others. And what was really fun was we jumped in the car. We planned, I planned out the whole itinerary of exactly where we were going to go. You had the questions all lined up. All I had to do was set it all up for the best experience for you. And I remember clearly when I was walking over here that I even printed out MapQuest because back then, which really feels like I'm dating myself, you really didn't have the easy map, you know, and you didn't have Uber. Mm -hmm. So we landed in for one of the interviews in Greenville. the middle of nowhere. Okay. It was oh, Greenville. and the other one was Christy Nome, right? So it was it was Nikki Haley, Christy Nome, and Sharon Engel. And was Nikki Haley running for re-election or was that the first time? It was the was... first time. So, yeah, so they, they were all brand new mm -hmm. to politics. So there's pink elephants, Republican women, Nikki Haley running for governor, Christy Nome about to run for Congress for her first time, and Sharon Engel running for the Senate against Harry Reid in Nevada. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
And some of the details I won't go into because it was <laughs> very... It was just wild. Wild. We but ended I, up eating so much junk food because <laughs> we were at gas stations basically fueling up. And I'll never forget when we got to South Dakota to go to Christy Nome's ranch. That's where we were going to do the filming. We get in the car and this guy goes, so do you know where you're going? Like, no, we're from New York. And we're in the middle of nowhere. That was the most fun week. And we really solidified our friendship. And it's interesting, um, you know, traveling for work is one of the ways that you get to know people really well and, and, and form some bonds. Do you think that's still happening today with just the way that work has changed after COVID? And we, we'll get into what you do now. But I think that traveling has ma- made such a big difference. That's a, it's that kind of things that you remember. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... I think actually, if you think about traveling, it's those intentional moments. Like you're together for a certain period of time for a reason. And I think like a debate. Yeah. Like parallel to right now, what we're seeing is in this hybrid world of how people are trying to rethink work is really about those moments together. So people don't really want to think that there's always a set time and set day. We have schedules. But what really people want to do is they want to come together similar to what you do on a travel or, you know, on an assignment. Mm -hmm. And they want to get that thing accomplished. So it's more intentional with your time and in that collaboration. So I think that's what we enjoy about the travel, Mm -hmm. right? You're really together serving the, you know, the ultimate goal, whatever that might be. Um, And so for work, people don't want to just like clock in, clock out. I think, you know, in the corporate world, people are looking for if we have a said thing in front of us, what is the, you know, if we can call them together in person to collaborate on that thing, it does make it worthwhile. Yeah, Um, I think so. so too. We'll be right back with more of this interview after this. Then you had a career detour because you decided, took a pretty bold step. Fox is a hard place to leave. And you decided to, and you went to work for Governor Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. And that was a big change and a great change. It was great. He was also new on the scene. I had joined him um, after he had first said that he was not going to run for president um, back in 2011, I think it was. Um, But an amazing experience. I mean, it is so important, I think, overall to really believe and love where you work. I think people really make that um, possible. But really understanding, you know, that's why most people are looking for like a mission now at a company because they think they're looking, they're searching for that thing to grab onto because that's what makes the day to day. Um, But yeah, working for him, I mean, it was really so much fun because he was new on the scene. He's the king of sound bites. Like Mm -hmm. I, for a person that was in TV before, you know, helping make videos for him or, you know, producing his social media, you know, really seeing the genuine characteristics that show up day to day from him to how much he cares about um, his job and Mm -hmm. the little into the big stuff, like really is intentional about every decision he makes. So truly a privilege. And then you went through Hurricane Sandy together. Yeah, that was a major, major crisis. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think that's that's where, you know, the people aspect of it really came through. from him, like how much he cares. And I think that was really so much fun too. And what do you think you learned either about yourself or about that time? Because that was also personal for you. That was where you grew up. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, people often think you come to work and you're this work person and it should be different than who you are, but showing up as your authentic self, I think authenticity is something that everyone grabbed towards him, you know, like he tells it like it is. That's why we came up with the uh, campaign slogan telling it like it is. 
but you know he shows his emotions on his sleeve and i think that is an, an important and great aspect in a leader and i think as someone that just shows up to work i think people really understanding and knowing you can really enhance your experience at work and your ability to work with someone else mm -hmm. because at the end of the day everybody is is human and when that ended your opportunity then and your challenge mm -hmm. was well now what am i going to do and i think you got a few calls during that okay. time <laughs> can we tell the story Yes. I mean, you know, I I like to look back. Dana says, um, I love to look back at this and we can like laugh at it. And I'm, I think to myself, I don't know that I was laughing. <laughs> well, I can I set up about the your friend that read the book? Oh, yes. Okay. So this is called the Everything Will Be Okay podcast. And it was in that book, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so in because and the good news is came out earlier, but then everything will be okay. So how do I come up with my advice? Well, partly it's that it's just because of anybody who's calling me. And then at the time, I'm like, well, maybe you could do this or that, whatever. Um, so my favorite story is about how your friend who read Everything Will Be Okay, there was this one section and she contacted you and said, wait, is this about you? <laughs> and I, and like, I did no. not reveal your identity, but she knew. <laughs> but she knew that we were friends. Of course. I mean, so the story is I really was didn't know what was next. And I think... Um, you talk to and this is what i would urge you talk to so many people and you've you are such a great listener that you always think about for someone else and i try to take that away with people that work for me how can i help them even in day to day not in the moments of that's crazy but so i asked your advice i said what am i going to do and i had all these ideas and i wrote down all these points and i was probably talking as fast as this and you said take a deep breath I said, are you even breathing? And you, and you were on speakerphone and Peter was driving and you're telling, and, and he goes this and da, 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 da. And I said, wait, okay, I don't even think you're breathing right now. So let's start with that and then back it up. And um, the truth is everything turned out okay. Yes. I mean, I remember I like the, the most special thing about the title of this book is I remember where we were walking in Central Park and you were talking about this book and you were talking about the title of the book and we were riffing on a few things, but I said to you, the thing you always say is everything will be okay. And sometimes I say to you, are you sure? Are like, sure? I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, you know, everything will be okay because you will make it so because you have the ability. Right. It's it not so. passive. No. And I think that, well, first of all, it could be passive, right? If you are a faithful person, you believe that everything will be okay at the end. Like it's going to be okay. Um, but there is a lot of, you talked about intention and intentionality in terms of making things okay. You had a plan. And also, you're an educated woman in America who's loved by her family. <laughs> and you have worked at Fox News for all these great people. You work for Governor Christie. You know all these folks that are going to help you to your next step. So your next step is this amazing shoot-to-the-moon startup <laughs> called WeWork. Yes. And that it was new in concept. Yes. And tell us a little bit about that time and what the company is and where it is today. I um so at that time it was really not known and I okay, I will say the people now thinking like are you kidding? But it really wasn't largely. I think there were a lot of customers, a lot of members we call them um in our spaces. So largely though it was you know, unknowns. So that was the opportunity. It was so much fun. I mean, my whole career in New York City, people had a thought or knew about Fox News or Chris Christie. Um, and this was something different. Like, I thought I could really help showcase the special um, ability that WeWork has to provide space to all different companies, all types of people around the world, I mean, to connect and, and collaborate. And so, you know, that experience building up that brand 
introducing it to different um, companies, leaders around the world. It was so much fun. Um, and then, of course, you know, like a lot of different companies, especially startups, there was, you know, a bump in the, a bump yeah, in the there road. Yeah, there was a major like 8.0 on the Richter scale <laughs> yes. eruption um, yes. as the founder of the company left. And you had a decision to make. Yeah. And I do think, you stay or do you go? And I think, you know, the thing that it goes back to the people, I really loved who I worked with and I really believed in what we were all doing. And I always thought, you know, there was a lot of headlines about the you know, the top or certain people, but it was everyone that worked there that really made up that place. And so at the time, I everyone was leaving. I mean, they were either leaving or it was, it was crazy. And a lot of people on the outside called me and said, hey, are you looking for a job? Like, this is this is available and this is available. And I was like, oh, maybe I should be leaving. Um, and I, you know, was back and forth about like, what do I do? What is the right thing to do? You're conflicted with what people are telling you. And I called you and I said, I, don't know, I think I should leave. I have this opportunity or this thing. And, and you know, you simply said to me, but what if you stayed? Yeah, like I said, there's nothing wrong with staying for a turnaround. Which you had a better insight as to what that could look like than me. Yeah. But you, of course, there was but something you were in the in middle your, of a, you were in the middle of a S storm, I will call it. There was something in your voice or in your, you know, in your guidance that I was like, what if I stayed? I mean, right. you said to me, there could be opportunity to grow. But there will definitely be opportunity to learn. And like, what's better than that? Yeah. And so both, I, I would say. Had That's happened. amazing because then, I mean, you had to do some pretty hard things. Yeah. I, you would probably won't want to talk about it, but I will. There, When you have a major earthquake like that in a company, um, there were a lot of layoffs. Mm -hmm. And that was difficult. And you, at your young age, you had to muster up all of that courage. And you had to let people know that they were losing their job. Mm -hmm. I always think about that. I'm like, where were all the guys? <laughs> they were like, Lauren, over to you. And you did it. And you've also now built a team where you um, are overseeing so much. You have the chief marketing officer, chief communications officer, and you're an integral part of the executive team of a company that is now also dealing with the second earthquake that comes along, and that's COVID. Mm -hmm. And how do you see that shaking out now? You know, Joe Biden has said that the pandemic is over on May 11th. Does it feel like it to you? I think what's interesting is that, you know, for so many years, people talked about the future of work or what it could look like. And now I think what we're trying to find is the balance of what people want to take out of that time when we were at home. And, you know, what's, what's really interesting when you read about in the Wall Street Journal is internationally, people are back together in the office because they don't have this thought about the office like Americans have brought towards like the thought of the office. So simply... I think internationally, and I'm not just like blanketly, but we're, as the mm -hmm. trends are saying, like they have found more of a balance in their day to day of what work and life, what, what that work before the balance, pandemic or after? before the pandemic. Okay. So I think a return to the office or what this might seem like doesn't feel as harsh as Americans who over the last few years have really been in overdrive. And I think felt like instead of people keep saying this is a sort of like, you know, anti-office experience right now. But in fact, it's not that. It's just that I think Americans are looking for more ownership of their time. Mm -hmm. um, but what's so interesting and what's always constant um, in periods like this is is change. And, you know, this is where the new ideas come. I mean, as Americans, like through any sort of economic crisis or any sort of shift in the way we do things, new ideas come up. I mean, we work Uber, like Airbnb, all of those things were formed around the 10, over 10 years ago around the same sort of 
tumultuous economic time. And so I think, you know, we could sit here and we could think about all the things that are like crazy right now, but we could also wonder what new ideas are coming. And I think that's mm -hmm. what's so exciting to be a place that could foster those new ideas. And I mean, who WeWork knows seems to me like the perfect answer for some people who are looking for that balance. Like, let's say you lived I think that a lot of things people reject and coming back five days a week to into the cities is, is the commute mm -hmm. because our infrastructure stinks and it takes an hour and a half to get here or there and it, you one missed train and it's, it's over for you. Um, but some of these options to have a co-working space or a WeWork office or what, whichever company you're looking to, if that's closer to your home, mm -hmm. that just makes so much sense. Yeah. It's also about the cost, right? I think a lot of executives and businesses right now are yes. thinking like, how much real estate do we need? And I think before the pandemic, um, people had a lot of real estate and didn't understand it. So we actually developed this product that actually can upload your footprint and, and show what your teams are using. It's called WeWork Workplace, and it can give you a better insight as to what you actually need. And that's what people are looking for that's right cool. now. Mm -hmm. So I think in the pandemic, people got rid of a lot of their long-term leases and are coming back to us and saying, hey, can we get a floor or can we get an office and then a couple of passes so that people that live around the country can go into those locations instead of mm -hmm. this one hub and then create, like we back, back to the intentionality, these moments through time where we can come together as a group and really accomplish X, Y, Z, right? That's interesting. So now, now that you're a manager of so mm -hmm. many people, um, what advice do you find yourself giving out more and more? And has that changed after the pandemic? Um. I think, you know, you don't really know what you're capable of until it's in front of you. And I think, you know, what I've learned and what I try to instill in the team that I have with me is, you know, don't be afraid to ask to jump in on something. Don't wait to be told what to do. There's so much out there to to accomplish. And I think like in your career, if you're looking to grow, no one is really going to like give you that exact direction. It's up to you to really ask to jump into something. Um, and so I think, you know, pandemic or otherwise, because we were dispersed and we all had to get on calls, I think when we got back together, we really tried to use that time to jump in and think like, how much more can we do to improve X, Y, Z? And I think listening to each other and learning from each other, the pandemic was a great example though of none of us as communicators had dealt with what are we supposed to do? Who, how do we communicate to our members or our teams or, you know, the press or, I mean, there were so many elements to, uh, you know, we work in particular that you had to consider. Um, and so, you know, I think we learn so much and that's where you need your people. And then you need that outside support system. I am not afraid to ask for help or what do you think about this? You are also someone that always does that. Like, what do you think about this? And ask yeah. for advice outside because we don't have the yeah. answers. I do think it's sometimes hard to admit you need help, but I am better at it. <laughs> but I think when you, I think as we've grown in our careers, mm -hmm. and me in particular, you realize like no one really has all the answers. Like you think you get to the top and like you're like, oh, this is where the box of answers are. And I think some people are just better at faking it, knowing all the mm -hmm. answers, but no one really does. And I think the best way to really drive to a decision point um, with your team or otherwise is really having other people weigh in and then having the confidence to trust your gut to, you know. How do you in. deal with, um, trying to find the right work-life balance for yourself? This is the worst. It's the hardest I question. I, I mean, every, it's the hardest question for everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think should say it's the hardest question. It's just basically like, there's no great answer. There's you just not, do it. You just do life. I think, you know, I, I have the privilege of really loving what I do. And I think, 
you know, when you really love what you do, it can it can bleed into, you know, your life because, uh, you know, and I love that. I mean, I really wouldn't love a job that I didn't love to be at every day or work for, especially when it gets tough, because when it gets tough, if you don't love where you work, it's that it's impossible mm-hmm. task in front of you. But if you love where you work and you love the people you work with, it makes it so much easier. And so, you know, it's balance. I think you find you have to make those moments. I mean, I, you have to carve out that time for yourself. I think you're really pretty good at it. I know you're like, she's looking at me like, are you out of your mind? But I do think you're pretty good at it, mostly because when you talk about maximizing your time, you have these amazing nieces and nephews. And when you have an opportunity to be with them, you do it. And we, I get a lot of joy out of your nieces and nephews. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that you have found ways to find pockets of joy throughout your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, definitely. Um you have to make it for yourself. Only you are going to figure out what what you know is best for you. And others definitely have an opinion, right? So your opinion is that, and uh, I'm sure <laughs> my family's opinion is I have no balance. But right. you know, I think I. But at the end of the day, it's whatever makes you happy. So it doesn't matter what the said balance is. There's no exact science to it. Right. More to come right after this. What was Jesse Waters like when you first worked here? So, uh, <laughs> no, I won't. Um, he, he used to, you, he, you guys started out together yes, around the same time? Yes, we did. So he, he's, uh, he's a little older than me, I will yes. say. Um, but we sat next to each other in a different pod. Um, and what was really fun back in the day, and it's, I'm sure it still is, but because Fox was the number one back then and still is today, we competed against each other, um, you know, in primetime. So he was on O'Reilly and I was on Hannity and Combs at the time. And also back then, there were physical tapes that if you needed B-roll, which is the video for those who don't know, during segments or, you know, during your package, there was a physical tape that you had to go get. (laughs) And Jesse would hoard all the tapes. Like he had all the tapes by him. And then what he would do in the guest queue, which is only something that anyone at Fox cares about, is he would put in all these guests. So it would be looked like he booked all those guests and then he'd have all the tapes. And so we would just always like get into a back and forth um, about, you know, Jesse, where are the tapes? But, he, <laughs> so but I, but I, I recently came across a video of him five years ago. I was at a conference, and I couldn't believe it. He was there, and all these people were around him taking photos and videos. And I was like, Jesse, like, <laughs> how did this happen? And but I think at the end of the day, what I love about him is he's still that guy. He's the that, same guy. He's the same guy. I love that. And too. it's just so funny that he's so. I mean, both of you want to watch your career too. Well, like, what's funny is. Um, he said something on his show about the cartels and about the, the demand side of drugs on the U.S. side. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'll just say it. So he says on the show, he says, we, we got to stop doing so much blow. Oh, no. And I thought it was funny. So I texted him. I often text him during his show and like offer like running commentary feedback. So I text him, dude, we got to stop doing so much blow. <sighs> of course, I've never touched a drug in my life and everybody knows that. And that's my brand. And so it's funny. But. I sent, I hit send and I was like, (gasps) I sent it to his mom. No. Yes. Yes. And so I said, I said, whoops, I meant that for Jesse. Are you watching tonight? Because he's talking about this thing. And I was like, funny. And I, that's why I was sending this thing. And I'm like, I was so embarrassed. And to this, and I haven't checked. She never wrote me back. (laughs) So I sent Jesse a note. I'm like, I just texted your mom that we got to stop doing so much blow. It was so embarrassing. I mean, if anything, he's somebody that, 
he also picks back up like really quickly. Like he would remember when he was doing the ambushing. Yes, of that course. That was his like. Yeah. That was his on air. Ronnie would send him out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when I worked for Governor Christie, I had this like I had some intel here that he was trying to ambush Christie, and. Um, I would call the assignment desk. I was like, hey, it's Lauren. Like, they forgot I left. I was like, is Jesse in the, what's Jesse's schedule today? And I, and they'd be like, oh, hey, Lauren. Yeah, Jesse's like, you know, and I would try to like intercept so the, funny. oh, yeah. I was, we were like ninja. Um, <laughs> it's but great. it was really fun. It's really great. Okay, just a few short questions. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to let you go. Um, what question do you think every manager should ask in a job interview? This is a hard one. Um, I actually think it's important for them in the job interview. I think a lot of people don't study up on the company. Uh, oh, absolutely. Want to hear a funny story? Yeah. Sorry, I asked no. you a question. I'm answering it. No, no. But yeah, people don't study the company. So during COVID, they were trying to hire somebody on the five. It was a junior bird, bird man position. And so they were going to do a, a Zoom call with the young man. And so they all, they rush in. You know how Fox, you're always rushing. You rush in like, hi, okay, I'm here for the interview. And they said, okay, what's your favorite show on Fox? Hmm. And he said, The Simpsons. <laughs> it was one of my favorite stories. I was like, well, same. But you're here for an interview with Fox News. So on Fox News, do you watch Fox News? And no. Well, I I like in the interview, I wanted icebreakers. I think I've had tough interviews in my past. I've asked, been asked, like, what makes you cry and all this other stuff, and which is crazy. But, um, <laughs> but it was also like, you know, it makes me laugh now thinking about on the different questions you think about on the other end. But I like to I like to break it up. And I think at one point I've said, why the hell would you want to work here? I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> but you want to see the sense of humor they have yeah. because you need that if you're going to be with someone so much, especially through a turnaround. I mean, that's I think so that's true. been, you know, so if you can break the ice a little bit that way. We, I think that's one humor. of the reasons the five has been successful, too. And, and, and America's Newsroom is and, and one of the reasons I love working here. I laugh all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, we take our work very seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. You have to have fun. Uh, last book you read? I love reading um, yeah. true stories. Like I, I like I love reading the news. I, I think that's every day really reading about other people's experiences. I think mm-hmm. biographies are. I mean, I think the smartest people I know always read the obituaries mm. because my husband always said that I would see him. He reads the obituaries in the Daily Telegraph every day. And he said, well, they obviously did something amazing. So I'm not appealing to the to the host right now, but actually because I've been doing a lot of research on Bayhead, because I uh-huh. just bought a house yeah. down there, I've been reading a lot of the obituaries because that's a lot that's of the history of the of the yeah. um, town. Yeah. And, um, and in fact, like some really interesting people have actually lived there. Last question. Name two things on your bucket list. Um... I honestly, I don't think too far ahead because I actually really enjoy the day to day. That's amazing. And that's part of the everything will be okay recommendations is to try not look too far ahead Mm -hmm. because you can get crazy. That's what you were doing on that call that day when you couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. You you had like twenty steps and then like and then I'll retire. I'm like wait, you're thirty. I know. I always say I'm gonna retire. That, oh, that's my bucket list to retire someday. <laughs> retire Next someday. year. <laughs> well, not yet. You have an amazing uh, life and you're a bright light in my life, but in for everybody that you touch. So thanks for being here. Thank you. I imagine that you could tell that we were having a good time catching up. Lauren is also full of humility, so it's hard to get somebody that modest to talk about her accomplishments. But I think there's a lot to learn from her. She's a young woman. Her future is exceedingly bright, and I was so glad to talk with her. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts. Leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino. 
everything will be okay. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.